get the context of it, though, let's back up and read 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, and then we'll read down through chapter 3 and verse 3, and uh, that way we get the full context of what John's trying to tell us here. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And the verses we have read tonight, we recall that a Sunday night was a week ago, we took 1 John 2, verses 18 through 27 and we dealt with antichrist and apostasy that thought is continuing as john is writing in your outline tonight i got a little introduction for you to fill out if you'd like to uh, leading up to our passage in verse 28 we notice there is an abiding the bible said in verse number 28 and now little children abide in him that little word abide it means to remain or to stay. The book of John, chapter number 15, the Lord talks about uh, that same principle of abiding. John 15 and verse number 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I was talking to, to Miss Janice this morning. I, I love tomatoes, and I, I, I one of the things I love uh, about the spring and summertime is a good bacon and tomato sandwich. You can keep your lettuce, thank you very much. And uh, but I love a good bacon, tomato, and mayonnaise sandwich. And uh, I don't like buying tomatoes. I'm picky on that. I don't like buying my tomatoes at the grocery store. Those tomatoes ain't never seen a garden. Somebody help me. Uh, I, you know, it's a good tomato uh, when it's ugly. All right, when it's an ugly looking tomato, you know it's gonna be good. And there ain't nothing better in the world on a cool spring or summer night than slicing you a big old tomato, uh, frying you a pound of bacon. Thank God we're not under the law anymore, getting some salt and pepper, some Duke mayonnaise, some white bread. Don't give me no wheat bread. I'm trying to go to heaven, all right? Get me some white bread, mayonnaise, salt and pepper, bacon and tomato. Slam that together and eat it in Jesus' name. Have the juice running down both sides, amen. Beat some of the juice you have running down your mouth. We'll get it on that later. Uh, but I love a good bacon and tomato sandwich. And, and I, I told Miss Janice, I said, you know what I'm thinking about? get me a little garden this year and plant me some tomatoes and maybe some cucumbers and nothing big, just a couple things and I don't have a green thumb. I don't. I have no desire to plow. I have no desire to do any of that. Uh, somebody said, ain't that wonderful? No, it's not, okay? I'd rather go to the produce market, the farmer's market and buy it. Uh, but Miss Janice said, well, you can actually get some five-gallon buckets and put your tomato plant in those five-gallon buckets. I said, hey, I could handle that. But you know what? I, I, I was asked her a lot of questions at lunch because I don't know 
much about that. But here's what I do know. If I don't leave that plant planted in the raised bed or in the five-gallon Lowe's bucket that I'm going to do with the soil, if I don't leave that plant in there, it is not going to produce any tomatoes. You know why a lot of believers don't produce any fruit? Because they won't stay nowhere longer than three Sundays. They're in and out, on and off, back and forth. They don't read the Bible consistently. They don't pray. They're not abiding in Him. And Jesus said, if you're not going to abide in me, you are not going to bring forth fruit. How about you? I want to be a fruitful Christian tonight. And so what you got to do, you got to make up your mind by the grace of God, I'm going to remain. I'm going to stay. I'm going to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So in verse 28, he talks about abiding. Verse 28, he talks about the appearing. The Bible said, and now little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear. I like John's confidence. We'll say more about that in a moment. But he didn't say that he might appear. He didn't say that he may appear. But he said that he shall appear. Amen. If you haven't heard it yet today, Jesus is coming again. And I thank God for that tonight. So there is abiding in verse 28. There is appearing in verse 28. But then there is the ashamed in verse number 28. He said, and now little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. We touched on that a little bit this morning in Sunday school. I don't want to be ashamed. I want to make sure uh, that I'm right with God, that I'm reading the Bible, that I'm faithful to the things of God, because at any moment the Lord could come again, and I want him to find me faithful. If that's your desire tonight, say amen. There's advice in verse 29. If you know that He is righteous, and we know that, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. You know, that word righteous there, it's not just talking about doing what's right, but it's talking about what's doing honorable to God. A lost man, the flesh cannot please God. And so if we're going to do righteousness, if we're going to please God, the Bible said without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So John gives us a word about abiding, the appearing, about the ashamed, about some advice. But in our verses tonight, he's continuing that thought about living right, about the Lord coming. He gives us what I call an admonition. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. One writer said, 1 John 3, 1 through 3 is one of the most superlative passages of Scripture. Virtually inexhaustible. It reveals new depths of meaning every time we come back to it. Hey, by the way, that's not just this text. It's that way. That's the whole Bible. Every time you come back to it, it seems like it's fresh and real. And I'm looking forward tonight to taking my bucket and dropping it down this well again and getting some more help tonight. He's talking about our future as the people of God. He's talking about living right. He's talking about the Lord coming again. And so I want to preach on this thought tonight. The reason we got all this is because of verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. I know they say it's a kid's song. It's not a kid's song tonight. It's a Christian song. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. I'm glad for the love of Jesus tonight. 
tonight. Amen. The love of God is greater far uh, than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the high star and reaches to the lowest hell. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above. It would drain the oceans dry nor could the scrolls contain the whole though they were stretched from sky to sky. I'm glad for His love tonight. I'm glad Jesus loves the little children. I'm glad He loves the wicked sinners. I'm glad He loves the church members. I'm glad He loves me tonight. Amen. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Thank God for His love tonight. So I want to preach on this thought out of these three verses for the next 15, 20 minutes on living in light of His love. Living in light of His love. That little phrase, in light of, in our English language means drawing knowledge or information from something or taking something into consideration. Listen to me tonight. You want, you want, a, good, you want a good admonition to live right? Think about His love for you. You want a good admonition not to be ashamed of Him at His coming? Think about His love for you. There are three things in these three verses tonight that I'll give you quickly. First of all, in verse number 1, there is an exhortation that confounds me. An exhortation that confounds me. It just it, It's amazing to my mind. It does something to my heart. Read the verse with me. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the Son sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew not Him. That is an exhortation that confounds me. It, it is four things in this verse. Look at them quickly. First of all, there is the beholding. Behold what manner of love. That word behold, you got it there in your notes. It means to perceive with the eyes. It means to look at it. It means to consider it. It means to pay attention to. It means to look Look and examine and see it for what it really is. I'm going to tell you the problem in a lot of our churches tonight. I'm going to tell you why we're so distracted. It's because and we're not uh, having church like we want to and we're not seeing a lot of results. I'm going to tell you why. We've got so distracted uh, by the things of this world. We've got so distracted by the responsibilities and the things of the world. It's taking our attention off of the love of God and off of the things of God. But I want to call our attention back to it tonight. I want to do what the Apostle John has encouraged us to do and say, Behold, what manner of love. That little word, manner, it means from what country, nation, or tribe. Well, this love that Jesus, that God has showed to me tonight, it was not an earthly love, but it was a heavenly love. It did not start in Jerusalem, but it started in the glory world. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world. Anybody listen to me? For God so loved the world 
uh, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We sing the old song, Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? I say amen to that. It sure is. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. And I'm glad He loves you tonight. You don't look, I'm glad He loves you. You don't look like you're glad that He loves you, but I'm glad that He loves you. Amen. If you're glad you're saved and know it, slap your face and notify it. It'll help me preach a little bit. Amen. He said, Behold, what manner of love. Leah would have gladly have done that, brother. Behold, what manner of love the Father stood upon us. Bless God, some of you, I could preach and pull an angel down from heaven and bring Apostle Paul in, and you still wouldn't grunt. Is he almost finished? Come on now. I'm talking about the love of God tonight. I'm talking about the fact you should have been in hell. Oh, but God loved you. And He sent His Son to die for you. At least you can do is stay awake. At least you can do is say amen. At least you can do is smile. You ought to raise a hand. The Bible said that all the people say amen. The Bible said you ought to lift your hands in the sanctuary. Well, I, I just don't want to do it in the flesh. Huh? You can't raise your hand without using your flesh. You can't say amen without using your mouth. Somebody help me, amen. I'm talking about the love of God. Behold what manner of love. I tell you, me and the boys are going to go to ball games this year, and when we go to those ball games, we sit out there in right center field. I pay $10 for my Coke Zero, and I enjoy every sip of it, amen. I drink it slowly. I savor it, all right. And you know what? We'll be sitting out there. I mean, it's hot. Grace thinks we're nuts. She even bought us those little portable air conditioner, uh, fans you put around your neck, they lasted through the national anthem. That's as far as they got. And so uh, we're out there. It's hot and we're sweaty. Oh, but you let old 28 first baseman Matt Olson connect with one. We all jump up to our feet. We throw our hands in the air. We holler and yell. We don't look around to see if somebody thinks we're charismatic or crazy. Why? We are excited about what's happening on the diamond. And you go to church and you preach about the love of God and people sit there I like, bless me if you can. And I look like I'm, my mom in laws moved in and ain't moving out. And it's just so depressed in the world. And I watched this on the news. And I saw that on the news. And I saw this on Facebook. And somebody said this to me. Oh, would you get over it tonight and just think about the love of God. Behold, look at it. Get your eyes off everything else. Get your eyes off all that junk in the world. And behold, what manner of love. Behold. Look at it. Pay attention to it. Get your head out of the sand. Behold what manner of love. There is the beholding. There is the bestowment. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed. Watch this little word. Upon us. Amen. That word bestowed means of one's own accord to give something to his advantage. That means to lay something on somebody that's going to be to their advantage. Is that not what God done for us when He gave us His love? Oh, when He gave us His grace? He done it for our advantage. What was the advantage? We get to be reconciled to God. Oh, we get a home in heaven. We get the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of our heart. You need to look at that. 
Turn off Facebook. Turn off Fox News. Turn off Newsback. Turn off ESPN. Get your eyes on Jesus. Pay attention to His love. I look back to Calvary. I look back to His sacrifice. I look back to the grace that He's shown in your life. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Amen. There is a beholding. There is the bestowment. There is the birth. Look at verse 1 again. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Watch the birth now. That we should be called the sons of God. Amen. I'm not trying to be rude or crude tonight, uh, but the reason that I am a child of God was because I was birthed out of love. Amen. That love birthed me into the family of God. He commended His love toward us. He showed His love. The love of Christ constraineth us. You know, we got a lot of people. And, uh, they, they, boy, they, they get all, they, we need revival. We need to move the church. This is revival preaching tonight. It's getting back to that first love. Aren't you glad that God's love is consistent? He don't love you more on one day than He does on another day. But He loves you on your good days and He loves you on your bad days. He loves you when you're right with Him and He loves you when you're wrong with Him. Amen. And here's how I know that. For every son He loveth, He chaseth and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth tonight. My love is up and down for Him. My love is not everything it should be for Him. Oh, but thank God tonight because I'm His child. And because I am His Son, His love never changes. Are y'all getting this? Or shall I go ahead and go to Cracker Barrel? I mean, I'm, I'm hungry, all right? So, uh, amen. And so there is the bestowment, there is the birth. But then there is the baffling. Verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Here's the baffling. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew not Him. They don't get us. This world don't get us. They can't figure us out. They think we're a bunch of nuts, and we are. We're just screwed on the right bolt, one feller said. Amen. I mean, we're, we're crazy. I mean, why in the world? I mean, we, we can kind of understand a little a religious nod to go to church on Sunday morning, uh, but you're going to go back Sunday night? Amen. Amen. By the way, I'm going to quit fussing at y'all. I preached myself under conviction Friday night. I'm going to quit fussing at y'all about the people that don't come back on Sunday night. You're here on Sunday night. Thank you. Amen. And then, uh, now, you, you that lay out on Wednesday, I'm going to let you have it tonight. Wednesday night, y'all are safe. Y'all are the good ones. Y'all are my favorites. Y'all are the ones I like. Okay? I'm just kidding. Y'all can smile. Okay? What I'm saying tonight uh, is you're here on a Sunday night. The world don't understand that. The world don't understand why you come back on Wednesday night. The world don't understand why you get up and come to Sunday school. It baffles them. They, they don't understand when you say, no, we can't come. We have church. Or we can't do that. We're Christians. Or we can't participate in that because it would dishonor the Lord. It would dishonor his name. We cannot do that. They don't get that. You know why they don't get that? Because they don't know Jesus. It baffles them. Jesus told his disciples that night in John chapter 16, if the world hates you, know it hated me before it hated you. You know why the world hates the church tonight? It ain't because they hate Josh Montgomery. They hate Jesus Christ. There is an exhortation that confounds me. Have you got over the fact that Jesus loves you? I hope you haven't. It can happen, though. You can come to church every service. Are you listening to me? This, and by the way, I'm tired. We're, we're putting a policy here. No more pitchfork religion. Y'all know what pitchfork religion is? My brother, brother David Shelton, our preacher around here, he tells you, you know what pitchfork religion is? That's where you're sitting in the pew and the preacher's preaching something and you shove it to the person behind you. Yeah, they need that. 
Yeah, they need that. No, no pitchfork religion here. If it comes across this pulpit, it going, it's going to your mailbox and it's addressed to you. Can I get an amen out of that? God didn't give me this message to preach to any other church tonight. He gave it from this congregation. He knew who would be here. And I'm telling you tonight, I believe if we're not careful, we'll get stagnant in our love for the Lord. We'll get cold on God. Uh, we'll forget how much He loves us and how much He cares for us. And we'll just go through the routine and we'll come in late and we'll leave early and we don't have fellowship and we don't have communion with the brethren, with the people of God. I'm telling you tonight, we better get back to that first love. There's an exhortation that confounds me. Number two, verse two, there is an expectation that comforts me. In verse one, there's an exhortation that confounds me. And in verse two, there is an expectation that comforts me. Look at the verse. Behold, now we are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Three things in this verse. There is a present arrangement. I love this now. Behold, now are we the sons of God. Don't miss that little three-letter word, now. I ain't waiting to be a son of God. I'm not going to become a son of God. The moment I got born again, I immediately became a son of the living God. Ladies, when you got born again, you became a daughter of God. You became a daughter of the King. Amen. You're a little princess for the King. Amen. I'm just glad tonight that we are a part of God's family. You know... A son, a child has rights and privileges that others don't have. Brother William, I love your children. I love Grace. He come up this morning, this evening, maybe this morning, this evening. I've slept since then. Shook my hand. Said, "Hey, preacher," and shook my hand. I'd love that little boy. I'd help him. But he's got a few more privileges than, uh, less privileges than what them two boys, that little girl has. For for an illustration, y'all come to my house. He just wouldn't go to my refrigerator and open up the door. He may. <laughs> he might. But. But, but you would do it. Why? Because that's not his home. My mom and dad, uh, they finally got them, their house built and got in. So we went over a Thursday to visit my grandma. I've never spent a night in that house. Hope I don't ever have to unless Grace kicks me out. And I ain't going all the way. I ain't sharing a room with my brother again. Lord, help. I done went through the tribulation period once. I ain't doing that again. Man. And uh, I ain't never spent a night in that house. And, but I went over there. You know what I did? Walked the refrigerator. Got me some, went in their pantry and ate their oatmeal cream cookies. That's not my house. But I am a child of the people that own that house. And so I got rights and privileges. Now look, you ain't my son, but you always eating my food when you come to my house. I don't understand that, Wade. Hey man, he's always eating my cat. I just figured that out. I can come eat your food, but yeah, I don't like how that arrangement's going, amen. I have to hide candy when he comes to the house, amen. But why? We have a special relationship. Well, you know, we as the children of God, we have rights and privileges that the world don't have. Why? Because, beloved, now are we the sons of God. There's a present arrangement. But then look on in our verse. Y'all still with me tonight? We're, we're going we're to be hushing here in a second. There is a promised appearance in verse 2. Beloved now, behold, beloved, now are we the sons of God. Watch the promised appearance. And if doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He 
shall appear. If you'll say amen, I'll get to it quickly. Jesus is coming again. The scoffers deny His coming. The Satan dreads His coming. The Scriptures declare His coming. And the saved desire His coming. And Satan the serpent dreads His coming. But I am glad that Jesus is coming again. Amen. And Lord, the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive remain shall be called up together. Why will we call up together? Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Oh, the reason I'm going up in verse 2 is because He came down in verse 1. Are you listening to me tonight? Oh, the reason I'm leaving out of here one of these days and headed to heaven is because He left heaven and come down here and bestowed His love upon us. Behold, what manner of love. There is a present arrangement. There is a promised appearance. But then there is a personal assurance. Beloved, now we the sons of God. And if doth not yet appear what we shall be. Here's the personal assurance. But we know that when He shall appear, watch it now, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Romans 8, 29 will be fulfilled on that day. I will finally be conformed to the image of His dear Son. This robe of flesh, I'm going to drop and rise. Amen. The best part about the rapture in 1 Corinthians 15 is I'll be getting rid of me. Amen. I'll never sin again. I'll never have another bad thought again. I'll never do a bad deed again. These hands will never sin again. Uh, this mouth will never say things that it shouldn't say again. I'll be have a glorified body like to our Lord and Savior, I'll get rid of me, amen, and thank God we'll get rid of you too. The only person that bothers me more than me is you. That's a two-way street, amen. Our flesh bothers, but thank God on that day, we'll get rid of all that. Amen. Now, that don't excite you if you think you're perfect. If you think you're perfect, see me after church and I'll bust your bubble. Because your armpits stink like everybody else's do. Your breast stinks like everybody else's do. Amen. You get that crust in the corner of your eyes when you wake up in the morning. You're just as nasty as all of us are. You have wicked thoughts like all of us do. You say things you shouldn't say. You do things you shouldn't do. This flesh is wicked. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a Pharisee. This flesh is wicked. The Bible said that, that Paul said, I know that it is in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Nothing is good about you. Nothing is good about me. The only thing good in our lives is Jesus tonight. Amen. I feel like preaching a few minutes. Amen. Hallelujah. There is, there is this, the exhortation that confounds me. There is the, there is the uh, expectation that comforts me. But here's where it comes down, where the rubber meets the road. Verse 3. There is an endeavor that challenges me. Well, we like shouting on verse 1 and 2. But we're going to start pouting in verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him, what is that hope? That hope that we're going to lead. That hope that we're going to see Jesus. That hope, we, we got that hope in us. Every man that hath this hope in him, watch what he does. Purifieth himself, even as he is pure. There's a retained hope in verse 3. Every man that hath this hope in him. The persuasion of this hope, this word hope, is not a I hope so. It is a confident fact. It is a blessed hope. 
the position of this hope. This hope is in us, like Paul talks about in the book of Hebrews, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil where the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus. What does that say? That's saying there's something that God, when I got saved, God put something in my heart, and the other end of it is in the glory world. Amen. Even now, uh, those big old ships, they have something called harbor tugs. And what they do when they're bringing them ships into port, they'll have, they'll have a little boat uh, that'll have a, a, a rope or a cord on it, and it'll, it'll hook on that cord, and it'll go to the harbor. What's that, little, what's that little harbor tug doing? It's pulling that big old ship in. Like that story, that little boy, it's a fictional story. That little boy uh, was uh, uh, flying a kite, and that kite was up in the clouds, and he couldn't see it. And this old fellow walked by and said, Son, what are you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. Old fellow looked up and said, I don't see no kite. How do you know it's up there? He said, Well, I can't see it either, mister. But every once in a while, I feel a tug on the string. Hey, man, some, I can't see sometimes the clouds get dark, but thank God every once in a while I feel a little tug in the gable into my soul, and thank God for that retained hope. But that leads to a responsible habit. Every man that hath his hope in him, watch what he does, he purifieth himself. This is a daily purification, a deliberate purification, a diligent purification. A doctrinal purification. Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You want to get cleansed? Obey that word. You're clean through the word which I have spoken to you, Jesus told his disciples. I hope, I hope everybody bathes on a daily basis. Can I get an amen out of that? I mean, you want, to, you want to lose hope in humanity? Go to youth camp with some of these boys that don't take a bath every day. I take two, three a day. Amen. I mean, I just, I'm just that way. I just, I like being clean. Amen. I mean, I, I get up in the morning, I take a shower. I, before I go to bed at night, I'm taking a shower. I mean, if I had a shower in my office, I'd have took one for church. I just, I am. I like to be clean. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. Dirtiness is not spirituality. Amen. That includes your house too. Amen. Y'all to clean your house up. Y'all to sweep the floor. Y'all to vacuum the carpet. Y'all to throw the trash away. Amen. Well, that got quiet right there. Hey, man, ain't nothing spiritual about a dirty house. If you have a dirty house, see Grace and Charity. They'll be glad to help you. All right. Shameless plug for the cleaning businesses. Hey, man. What I'm saying tonight, and they, they got more than what they handle now. I have to clean my own house. Hey, man. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. My wife keeps my house clean. But we believe in having clean bodies, having a clean house. But how about having a clean spiritual life? I mean... It used to, but I appreciate that's my wife. And she makes sure that the dishes are in the dishwasher before we go to bed at night. Maybe it'll be a, be a cup or a bowl. She makes sure that's in there. She sweeps the floors every day. We've got that dumb dog we have that sheds like crazy. And shave that thing bald. Like, make it bald as Tony. Maybe it'll quit. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate We have clean sheets. I appreciate that. But I tell you, and, and, and thank God she takes a bath every day, too. That's a blessing. Amen. Who wants to? He wants to be married to a smelly person. Somebody help me right there. Amen. One of the, one of the good things about the men's conference this year, we're out there in a tent, so you ain't got to smell those 400 guys that ain't took a bath in a week. Amen. I mean, you ought to put right guard under your left arm. Somebody say amen right there. I mean, I believe that. But we ought to have spiritual purification. You ought to daily clean your life up. You ought to daily and deliberately look and say, is this an area that caused me to stumble, caused me to sin? 
It's a responsible habit. It ain't anybody else's job. It's your job. I got a lot of preachers that run around, preacher friends that I love dearly, and they're trying to keep everybody else's life clean. I can't keep your life clean. I'm doing good to keep my own life clean. Now, I'm going to preach the truth, and I'm going to preach the Word of God. I'm going to lay truth out there, Brother Matthew, but it's the congregation's responsibility to respond to that. Now, we're going to have standards for the choir. Amen. Amen. He's not, uh, we really shouldn't have a choir standard. We ought to have a church standard. Amen. I'm not talking about visually. I'm talking about members of this church. Amen. We ought to, and and, and, and we, we do that. But just because summertime's coming, amen, don't peel your clothes off. Amen. Amen. Don't run around half naked. Amen. The maniac, he was naked and full of the devil. So if you run around half naked, you must be half full of the devil. Somebody say amen right there. Don't peel your clothes off because it's getting warmer. Amen. Amen. I like one preacher said the other night, ladies, it needs to be uh, to the neck and below the knee. To the ladies. And men, it don't need to be below the knee. It needs to be to the ankle. Somebody help me. Amen. Or to the tops of your shoes. Amen. Purify. But it's not just the outward. It's the inward. You got any bitterness in your heart? I'm afraid we may look good on the outside, but on the inside we must be a dirty church. Gossip, greed, envy, strife, bitterness, complaining. This is a foul spirit. God don't like the immodesty no more than He likes the, in, the, the envy and the strife and the jealousy and the gossip and the pride. He hates, by the way, I'm for, I'm for modesty, somebody's, and we preach that, but the first thing on God's list that He hates is not a short skirt or shorts. It's a proud look. And I'm against the other two. Somebody say amen. But He hates that proud look. Well, hallelujah, I can drop the plow and preach a little bit right there, amen. It is a responsible habit to purify yourself. I can't keep the church clean. I can't keep your life, I can't follow you around. I know some guys that do, they follow their members around with a checklist. I can't do that, I ain't got time. <laughs> Y'all take good care of me, but you don't pay me that good. All right? I, I'm not a private eye for Jesus. If you're saved and claim that the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you, then he ought to deal with you about things in your heart and life on a daily basis. He'll take this book, whether it's from my preaching, whether it's from your Bible reading, and deal with you about areas of your life. If God does that for you, you ought to say amen and thank God for that. That means you're one of his. And if he ain't dealt with you in a while, maybe because you ain't been reading this word and talking to him. You repented of anything lately? It's a responsible habit, retained hope, but the reality of the holy. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Jesus Christ, listen to me tonight. As, as a pastor tonight, me and my family, we are to set an example. Amen. We are to be an example to the flock. You know why some preachers can't preach on modesty, Brother Clayton? Because their wife don't dress modest. And some guys don't preach on I guess because they like to look at immodest women. I guess that's why they preach, don't preach on it. But my family ought to be an example. Now, they're not perfect tonight. If you think my family's perfect, <laughs> uh, sit down with us and I'll tell you everything bad about all them. <laughs> and then you don't have time to sit down with my wife for, you to t for her to tell you all the bad things about me. You ain't... <laughs> yeah, I, I feel it. I really feel it. Amen. I, in an odd way, have missed that. In an odd way. But I'm, I'm not missing it anymore. <laughs> None of us are perfect tonight. My family's not perfect. We ought to set an example. 
I'm going to tell you who the supreme standard and who the supreme example is tonight. It's Jesus Christ. Now, I'm to be a representative for the Lord, but you know, we ought to be representatives for the Lord. Amen. We all ought to be an example for a younger Christian or a new believer of what a Christian ought to look like. When On your job, they ought to know they work with a real Christian. You know what Christian means? It means Christ-like. It means living just like Jesus. Why should I purify myself even as He is pure? You know why? Behold, what manner of love the Father has stowed upon us. Every day we live, we ought to live in the light of His love. Thank God for the Bible tonight. Thank God for His Word. How we need Him to clean our lives up. But it's a personal thing. We've got to purify. He purifies Himself. Purified, he, it means that God is doing a personal work on you. And you're responding to that. Are you purifying yourself tonight? Am I purifying myself tonight? The psalmist said, Search me, O God, and try me, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Come on, Brother Matthew. I mean, you had a parent growing up, go take a bath, and your mom would say, Did you wash behind your ears? Did you, did you clean up? Did you brush your teeth? Why? He's making sure that you had cleaned up with the Holy Spirit of God. Hey, did you clean up your eyes, what you've been looking at? Clean up your mind, what you've been thinking about. How about that mouth? You clean up your mouth, what you've been saying. How about your heart? What about what you've allowed that in your heart? You know what we need? We need a spiritual bath. You know how we take a spiritual bath? Taking heed to that word. Every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. We stand tonight for prayer. Brother Matthew's going to play a verse of invitation. Maybe you need to come pray tonight. May God help us in this in this.